Hi, I'm Derek T. Dingle, Executive Vice President and Chief Content Officer for Black Enterprise. Welcome to an all new episode of Boardroom Chats, hosted by Nationwide. In this edition, we reveal how the commitment to racial equity has reached the highest levels of corporate America through the board challenge. To discuss this development, my guest is a business leader who has spent more than 20 years operating at the intersection of media and innovation. As one of Black Enterprise's top tech influencers, Guy Primus created and launched the Virtual Reality Company, a transformative force in Silicon Valley and Hollywood. VRC raised 23 million in venture capital and teamed with entertainment powerhouses, Universal Studios and Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. Together, they produced Jurassic World VR Expedition, an experience first released through Dave and Buster's, where it quickly became the most successful attraction in the company's 38 year history. Under his leadership, VRC also partnered with Apple to showcase the power of augmented reality through the company's Follow Me Dragon app. It was part of the iPhone 10 launch and featured in Apple stores nationwide before being named its best of 2017. His current role is CEO at Valence Enterprises, a venture-backed company that creates new path to success for Black professionals. His vision for Valence helps secure investors, including Silicon Valley Bank and SoftBank. Since taking the reins of Valence, the company has released a suite of community-focused tools to accelerate and further member and financial growth. A board member of Southern California Public Radio, where he serves as a member of the Nominating and Governance Committee and chairperson of the Strategic Planning Committee, Guy has been focused on diversifying the boardrooms of corporate America. He co-founded the Board Challenge, a movement to improve the representation of Black corporate directors at public and private companies. Since last September, he has been responsible for some of the nation's leading CEOs to commit to adding a Black director to their board. He is here today to share his views on the state of boardroom diversity and inclusion. Guy, thank you for uh, joining us today. It was my pleasure, Derek. Good to see you. Yeah, really excited. Um, want to spend uh, a couple of minutes talking about your, um, your, your experiences in Silicon Valley. Uh, share with us, um, you know, the virtual reality company, you know, how you grew that, you know, your partnerships in um, media and innovation and why that was uh, an important platform to then go into um, Valence, which we'll uh, talk about, um, you know, right after you you share a bit of your history. Right. So, so I think uh, if I rewind many, many years, I was, uh, you know, grew up in Pittsburgh. My mother was a teacher and my, my father worked at TWA. So he worked the late shift at the airport, which was um, almost an hour away from our house. And so when I would come home, I would come home to an empty house, you know, since the time I was five years old. And so I had the little uh, key ring on the belt. I think I, my parents would be arrested right now if they let me do that. But, you know, I used to come home at five and six, uh, six years old and immediately just turn on the television. And so, uh, you know, I grew up watching a lot in inordinate amount of television, honestly. And, uh, you know, was just really attracted to media and entertainment from a young age. 
Um, and, and so, but I was also really good at math and science. And so I, I kind of have spent the past, uh, you know, kind of 40 plus years aspiring to be Ted Turner, right? You know, so, and, and Ted Turner for me was, uh, he embodied what it looked like when you combine technology, which at the time was cable television with content, right? So he bought the MGM library and, you know, owned the Atlanta Braves and put all this great content on the air. And so I've been, you know, for the past uh, few, several decades looking for what I've called my Ted Turner moment. And so as it relates to the virtual reality company, the first time I experienced virtual reality, it blew my mind, right? It was a demo that Robert Stromberg, who eventually became my co-founder in the virtual reality company, um, put together. And, and Rob is one of the most creative people that you'll ever meet. He created the world for Avatar for James Cameron, right? And won an Academy Award for that. And then, you know, for the first time in the history of the Academy Awards, he won a second Academy Award, a second Oscar for production design for Alice in Wonderland. So imagine that creativity put in, inside of a virtual medium and telling a story. And, and when I saw that, it was just, again, it was a game changing for me because it was exactly what I've been looking for, technology and content in a way that, that really um, just opened new worlds to people. And so uh, you know, that was an amazing uh, you know, journey. We, we raised you know, several millions of dollars and, and you know, created some incredible projects. Um, we actually created the, uh, an experience called Raising a Ruckus, which Steven Spielberg uh, came up with the concept for and was uh, written by Nicole Perlman. And you know, so we, we released that you know, to a lot of fanfare and uh, you know, critical acclaim. Uh, we followed that by releasing, uh, raising, uh, excuse me, um, Follow Me Dragon, which was released on Apple's, you know, with iPhone 10 and was in Apple stores from coast to coast and, you know, won us a best of 2017 award for Apple, right? So this innovation, you know, is starting to take off at the virtual reality company. And then we did something that was really, um, really big. It was Jurassic, actually, you know, so we, yeah. we actually did Jurassic World VR Expedition that was released at Dave & Buster's. And you know, in the 38-year history of Dave and Buster's, it was the biggest attraction launch in, in the company's history. Um, when when we announced it, their stock price jumped up by 30%, and then at the end of the first quarter, their stock price was up 59% based on this uh, this single release, which was you know again ushering in a new era of entertainment to this uh, location-based entertainment system. And so that's what we built at at, at uh, the virtual reality company, and you know, still going strong. And we're working right now. I'm still on the board there, but we're working on. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, a release that will happen in the fourth quarter of this year. But but I, what I wanted to do was actually um, in the in the wake of all the events last year, right? So uh, think about uh, you know kind of COVID hitting and it decimating the black community, and you know unemployment rates skyrocket, and you know black folks are dying at an inordinate uh, rate. And then you think about what happened on Memorial Day, right? George Floyd and, and Mr. Yep. Cooper there in Central Park. And to me, it became a calling that I, it wasn't enough to just focus on entertainment. I needed to get into the game and really start changing the world. And the best way I knew to do that was to tell stories and really focus on, you know, kind of uh, helping people navigate their path to success, which is something that I've been doing as a mentor, uh, you know, for several decades now. So um, that's how I ended up at Valence and really want to bring that sensibility of popular culture, technology and innovation to people's career paths and development. Yeah, and, and as such, you've been a, um, a pioneer in, uh, at, in Silicon Valley, uh, an area that has been a really challenged space for uh, <laughs> particularly African-American entrepreneurs to gain financing, and you, 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 you broke that, that, that wall and that barrier. Share with me Valence and how that marries that experience of trying to penetrate that um, venture capital wall with presenting opportunities, uh, particularly to black entrepreneurs and professionals. 
Right. That, well, that's a good question. I, I appreciate it because if you think about what we're building at Valence, we have a community of 14,000, you know, ideally headed to, uh, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands and millions of people on this platform that are really united around one goal, which is to move themselves forward professionally and then move the, the broader black community forward professionally. And so what we've done in, as it relates to funding and connecting entrepreneurs and, and investors is we created something called the Valence Funding Network, which is uh, which is around, uh, let's see, it's uh, now 50 or so top tier virtual uh, venture capital firms, right? So everyone from GGV and Upfront who uh, have invested in, uh, in Valence to uh, Sequoia and Defy Partners and, and you name it, they're on our platform. And so they have put their hands up and said, hey, we now understand that there's a problem. We understand that uh, you know, black folks are not getting a fair shake as it relates to the venture capital markets. And so we wanna put up our hands and we want you Valence to connect us with entrepreneurs who you feel are doing something different and are worthy of investment because we don't know who they are. And we see th things through a lens that might not really represent what the true intentions and true capabilities of those entrepreneurs are. And so we've done that. And you know, it's, it's really been incredible to see the response. So we do every, every Friday, we do an event called uh, Founders Only where we connect the founders themselves, but then we actually um, help understand and, and filter and, and uh, direct some of those investment dollars to companies that we feel uh, you know, kind of have been involved and engaged and really are deserving of those, those investment dollars. Um, share, share a couple of companies that you are proudest of in terms of making those connections and putting them on the path. Well, you know, I, I, would, I don't want to single anyone out, but you know, I'll, I'll focus on one of our um, kind of spotlight members. So, so okay. Dave Salvant at Squire. Um, you know, they, they've kind of done an incredible job of uh, bringing the platform of uh, barbershop management on, <laughs> online. And again, I think that when people first looked at them, they saw them, uh, you know, as, as a black company, right? Because Dave is black and, you know, kind of the, the founding team is black. And so they see them as a black company. But, you know, when, and when you talk to Dave, he'll let you know, this is not about a black barbershop. We, we can do this for every single barbershop. And so, again, I, I really, again, hesitate to answer that question because I don't want to take credit for anyone's success. Dave and his team would be successful regardless of their involvement with, with Valence uh, for, for certain. But, you know, again, being part of their success and helping to tell their story is something that is very, very meaningful, right? So that's one, um, you know, company on the uh, kind of Black founder end. But then if you look at what's happening on the uh, diversity and inclusion end as well, um, there's a company called Valence that we partner with, and they actually provide all of our video uh, services, right? So our video conferencing services. Bevy actually went to market several weeks ago and um, just last week announced that they raised a $40 million round and 24 of the 40 investors uh, were, were black, right? So 70% or so of the investors were, were black. And, uh, you know, they just have done an incredible job of going from zero black employees to, you know, a, a goal of having 20% of their workforce being black. And so, again, I think really when we look at what we're trying to do is really about an ecosystem, right? People call it a pipeline. And I, I shun that term because a pipeline suggests one input and one output, and they suggest a homogeneous product. And what I believe is that every individual is different and every individual journey is different. And so we need to use data and we need to use community and we need to use the, the connections that we have to help shepherd each individual along their respective path uh, to success and of success because it's a journey and not a destination. But we really kind of want to focus on the individual uh, you know, paths and making those connections where they're appropriate. Well, where ideas and innovation meet access and connections, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, that's that's great. And you know what's what's great about your story and, and great about your your focus is it's been evolutionary. You know, obviously you looked at you know entrepreneurial sets in in the virtual realm. Then you use your experiences in Silicon Valley to create this platform to build this ecosystem. And then the next level is to bring in more diversity on the board level. Right. Uh, so we're at September 2020. Right. What sparked, you know, the board challenge? You know, what led up to that? I know yeah. there's, you know, obviously we had the um, the aftermath of the George uh, Floyd tragedy and the ensuing protest. But what sparked you to say, we need to have this board challenge to drive greater boardroom diversity? Right. So I'm, I'm going to um, focus on one thing that you said, which was my path being evolutionary. And, and actually, I, I agree with that. It's, it's actually really incredible. I, I call it a focused evolution, right? Because I'm still the same kid I was growing up in Pittsburgh, you know, reading Games Magazine and uh, you know, playing with Legos, right? That, that's who I am. Um, now it's business model analysis and rapid prototyping. That, that's what I do. But, but this evolution to me uh, and, and where the board challenge started was conversations at Harvard Business School 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. one of my classmates, a gentleman by the name of Brad Gerstner, um, you know, and I were classmates. Brad uh, runs an uh, uh, investment company called Altimeter. And Altimeter uh, you know, has been very, very successful in making investments in Silicon Valley and has built a very, very diverse network. And so Brad, who's the CEO, um, is also on the board of United Airlines and iHeartMedia and several other companies. But you know, it, he actually took his son to a Black Lives Matter rally in Palo Alto, right? So Brad is a white guy um, and, and he took his son Lincoln, um, named after Abraham Lincoln to uh, this, this rally in, in Palo Alto. And, and Lincoln being a pretty astute 14 year old kid um, turns to his dad and said, dad, this is incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you brought me here, but what are you gonna do? You know, you have all this influence, you have all, you know, the, all these resources, what are you going to do to change things? And so I wish I could take credit for the board challenge, but it was actually Brad's idea uh, spurred upon by his, his son wanting him to make a, a change. And so Brad and I have known each other and again, have been friends for 20 years. And Brad knowing what I was doing at Valence picked up the phone and said, hey, I wanna make a change. I'm not exactly sure how, but I'd love for you to kind of go along this journey with me. And so he called me and, and uh, Sukhinder Singh Cassidy who runs uh, the board list. And you know, we, we actually just got together for several months before September and planned and plotted and really kind of thought about this using what is uh, kind of one of Balance's hallmarks right now, which is Black success built together. And I was telling him kind of um, you know, some of the legacy challenges that we have as a Black community and how we need to overcome them. And that is kind of being a participant in the success of every individual, right? You know, so and starting with where we can make the biggest influence, which is on the board level. Brad being on several boards himself, uh, you know, I'm on uh, several boards and understanding how we can use our networks to place one individual at a time in a very, very influential position and then making that uh, effect have a cascading effect, you know, throughout the, the uh, business ecosystem. And so that's where the, the genesis of the idea was. But really, again, this is about using the resources that we have, which is um, capital and social capital to just place individuals who men uh, who can and will are willing to stand up and make a change and actually represent uh, blacks in, in the most powerful institutions in the world, which are corporate America. So you got some of the the the, the largest uh, companies or CEOs of the largest companies to make a pledge 
mm -hmm. to add a, a black board member, uh, at least one black board member to their board over the over this year. So right. started in September, so September 2020 to now September 2021. Tell me how that process, you know, how you um, went about that process of getting those pledges and where you are right now. So it's yep. been several months in, where are we now with the, the board challenge, the pledges and the number of companies that have participated in the board challenge? Yeah, so it, it's pretty amazing. And again, the, the, the genesis was us picking up the phone one telephone call at a time and talking to, uh, you know, again, not only CEOs. So Rich Barton was again, one of the first CEOs from Zillow was one of the first CEOs that Brad reached out to. And he said, hey, Rich, um, you know, I, I, I have this challenge. What do you think? And, and Rich said, count me in. And so he signed up for it immediately. And again, when you have a company like Zillow, who's a Silicon Valley darling and a unicorn, it's easy to get other people on board to, to support you. And so, you know, we started there um, one call at a time, uh, several meetings explaining what we're doing. Very, very simple ask, right? Just appoint a black board member if you don't have one. And if you do have one, just support and, and kind of put your hand up and saying, we are in favor of this. And we're going to maintain uh, you know, our posture of having a, and, 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 um, you know, our practice of having a representative board. So that's really what the board challenge is. And it, again, started off with several dozen companies. And now we kind of, um, you know, once the, the um, easy work was done, once the low hanging fruit was picked, then we had to start going out and, and looking at some of the companies that um, really should be, uh, have, have black board members, but, but maybe they don't. And, and I think they're probably, a lot of them are unaware of some of the challenges that, that they would face. Because what you'll, what you'll see is that people will say, well, we don't have one because we can't find a, a qualified black, black board member. And so we kind of um, sought to dispel that, that rumor. And you know, we connected with a bunch of companies, the board list and Bolster and Above Board and Him For Her, and, you know, just a, a myriad of companies who can connect those companies who are saying, hey, we just don't know where to look with black you know, talent. So we're solving this in a very systematic way, just like any CEO would solve a problem. If, you, if the CEO is paying attention to it and you approach it like a business problem, it can be solved. And so that's kind of how we're going to market now. We actually started with the list um, that, you know, again, black, uh, black uh, enterprise puts out every year, which is you know, kind of a, a list of, of uh, the top companies that don't have black board members. And we took that list, we updated it, and we started reaching out to those individual companies, right, to say, hey, um, you know, we're aware, uh, you know, where, where are you in this, right? So the, these companies, we're not out to shame or embarrass anyone, but it is a very, very systematic approach one by one of uh, adding people to, adding black uh, members to, to these boards. And then um, when we want to celebrate the success of any black board member that, that you know, kind of uh, goes on to a board. So, um, you know, my friend, uh, you know, Ann Sampowski-Ward, when she went on a board or Salam Coleman-Smith or Mark Tatum, we want to celebrate all of that. And, and we recognize that um, one individual uh, success is the community success. And so that's how we're moving forward. And I would say that, you know, the, the goal is to have, you know, um, 100 black board members appointed by this time, or excuse me, uh, within one year. And I think we're, we're definitely on track to do that. We have a lot of work to do because you can imagine as you, uh, as you start treading up the mountain, the yeah. path gets steeper and rockier and the air gets thinner. Uh, but but we're, we're, I think we're gonna hit that 100 uh, number by September. So we're, we're in the process of developing our, our, our next list. So uh, hopefully <laughs> we'll see the, uh, the changes that have been brought about by um, you know, the, the board challenge in terms of you know, the numbers and the percentages. 
Well, again, um, like black success built together. We're, we're all building on, you know, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. And so we would not be here if not for the work of ELC, if not for the work of black enterprise and Ebony, you know, kind of before us. And so Valence, uh, the board challenge, all of us are standing on the shoulders of giants and we, we need to recognize the success. We need to stay in contact. You know, that list of, uh, you know, 70 plus executives that put the ad in the New York Times, you know, making sure that they're aware of what we're doing. And we talked to, I would say, you know, a, a third to a half of those individuals on that list. And they're very, very supportive from, from day one. And so again, celebrating success, uh, building black success together and, uh, you know, recognize we're standing on the shoulders of giants is how we're gonna get there. Well, I think a, a great part of your thrust is to um, also challenge the whole process of, you know, recycling board members. Because when you look at, you know, for years we've been looking at black board representation and for years it's been the same names that have come up. Right. But it seems like your process has not only changed some of the names, brought in new, um, you know, uh, black directors, but also looked at beyond the S&P 500 to the Russell 2000, to right. companies that may be a part of portfolios of private equity. Was that the intent um, also in terms of developing this process? I, I mean, I, not, not only, but, you know, it, it was, um, I think it's critical because if you look at the evolution of, and, and again, I wanna, again, standing on the shoulders of giants, Shelley Archambault, uh, you know, Ken Frazier, uh, Barry Lawson Williams, right? And just to name a, a couple of people that I've engaged with during the course of this process and, and them recognizing what you just said, which is, you know, recycling uh, black board members is helpful, but it really doesn't in, increase the sphere of influence and, and, and power. And so really understanding that as we move uh, further down this path of, of uh, you know, the innovation economy and AI and machine learning and computer vision and AR, right? You know, the people that um, to whom those technologies are native you know, we're not born in the 60s like I was, right? I was born in 69, but, you know, some, some, some of those folks are, are, are really good. And, and, you know, again, God bless with they, with they, the path that they've laid for us. But the people that are, are coming be, behind us are really digital natives in a lot of ways. And if, when, you look, when you're looking at the next Facebook or you're looking at the next Oculus or you're looking at, uh, you know, the next Instagram, those companies are coming and they need people that are native and they understand how to use the technology and are uh, using it uh, on, on a daily basis. And so as we navigate the path and we look at, you know, again, beyond Fortune 500 and, and Russell 3000 to the companies that are inside the portfolio companies inside of GGV or inside of Carlisle and, and you know, kind of are, are um, aspiring to kind of break out and become public and become household names. Those companies need to be paid particular attention to because no one was thinking about Amazon this time, you know, kind of, uh, you know, 25 years ago. It wasn't a household name, right? You know, I'm sure that, you know, the, in, in the Seattle area where they were making a bunch of noise, but, you know, outside it wasn't a household name yet. But, but and, and Google, I remember when, you know, kind of being at uh, C, uh, CMJ, when, when Google kind of uh, first, I saw their first booth, right, in New York at the Javits Center. And, you know, it wasn't a household name and, and Google staying in beta for so long. Those companies need new, different, uh, you know, kind of elevated technologically thinking, right? And, and again, not that they can't get that from the current uh, uh, cash of board members, but a different thinking is how you gain a competitive advantage. And so we definitely want to advocate for that. Well, but at the same time, what uh, you're doing is helping to seed board membership for companies that are going to develop into the next Googles or the, exactly. or the next Facebooks. And that also helps, 
bring down the barriers to diversity in Silicon Valley, especially at the board level. When right. you, you start off, when the company is private and then advance and evolve with the company as it goes public as a board member. And there's a wealth building component in that as well. Yeah, and I think it's, again, I look at this as an ecosystem. So absolutely, that is, uh, again, it's a critical piece to, uh, of success. It has to happen that a company starts at, you know, some in some garage or some apartment in New York City, and they, you know, raise friends and family, and you know, they be then they raise their first uh, round of venture capital, and then you know, the next thing you know, it they're a household name. But it doesn't happen like that for us, unfortunately. And so, yes, we need to make a really, really big deal about appointing black board members to some of these companies inside of venture capital portfolios where they can have outsized uh, influence early on. And then, uh, to your point, uh, to increase the diversity and you know, kind of the, the participants in this ecosystem, those CEOs need to be recognized, right? So that's what we try to do at Valence. I know Black Enterprise, you guys do a fantastic job. But you know, I had someone the other day that you know didn't know that Tope at Calendly was a, a, a black guy, right? You know, they just mm -hmm. didn't know that. Wait a minute, the founder of Calendly is black. You know, or yes, yeah, so, so that's the kind of thing that we want to erase. We want to make sure that we not only are knowledgeable about who the people are in this ecosystem, and you know, again, my board member Hans Tung at, at GGV and Kobe Fuller at Upfront, you know, they've been real giant catalysts in this movement, right? You know, Hans is, uh, you know, they call him the unicorn whisperer, and he, you know, kind of has taken, I think he took three or four companies public just last year. And so the fact that he's on my board and he is uh, kind of actively seeking to participate in this ecosystem of uh, black success is, is critical. And Kobe, you know, the original uh, inception of the idea for Valence came from Kobe. And we talked about it for years before he brought it to market. And, you know, kind of, I, I hope I was helpful in helping him move his thinking along, but that's the kind of, you know, th these ideas don't start big, they start small. And we need to recognize and, and fund and, and kind of fertilize those ideas and water them and make sure they get sunlight because they can grow to be unicorns. Calendly will be a unicorn. It will be a billion dollar company. And, and we need to be part of the success. All of us need to be part of their success. You know, at the heart of what you're doing and at the heart of what you've done for years is communicate that, you know, you need the diversity in order to have the ideas, in order to go into different directions, different areas, to be a part of the entire, as you said, ecosystem so that you can create shareholder value, that so you can create opportunities. Uh, one area that you've looked at is, you know, also special acquisition companies, you know, called SPACs, so that they can look at different types of companies that they want to invest in, different ways to, you know, acquire companies and to create, you know, new industries and what have you. So this is totally revolutionary in redesigning uh, not only corporate America, but global business. No question. And, and you know, again, I, I love the way you phrase that because SPACs are a vehicle for companies to become public. And it doesn't take Goldman Sachs or, you know, uh, JP Morgan or any other big bank to recognize, Morgan Stanley, to recognize the value of them to the market. And again, all of those companies, just to be clear, Silicon Valley Bank, all of those companies are doing great work and they're recognizing where, where some of the challenges are. But you know, again, a lot of them are not boots on the ground. And so you have uh, people like you know, Omar Johnson and Colin Kaepernick, that, and, and they have the ability to kind of, you know, Omar was number three at Beats by Dre. Mm -hmm. He sees things differently. There's no question. Colin Kaepernick put himself in harm's way, you know, tanked his career because he sees things differently. And so when you bring that to a SPAC 
and they're able to see an opportunity, a diamond in the rough that no one else, you know, kind of ha has paid attention to. It, it, it's magical. And, and, and you know, again, them bringing, you know, their, their investment resources to us back, finding a company, taking it public is fantastic. And, and again, to go back to Brad, who was the, you know, the rightful founder of, of the board challenge, you know, he, he made it a purposeful event that he wanted to add a black woman to his first spec and his second spec, and he's done it, right? So Aisha Dozy, who, you know, is running Bossy Cosmetics was, you know, kind of, and, and is, is on the board of Brad's first spec at Altimeter. And wow. so just imagine now she's getting all this experience and she can bring that to bring that back to Bossy and she can uh, disseminate that, that uh, expertise to everyone in her network. And again, we don't have those opportunities if not for SPACs, right? You know, right now, and there, there are a lot of them. There, there may be too many of them, but it doesn't matter because the experience is valuable and bringing that back into the community and increasing the velocity of knowledge, just like we seek to increase the velocity of money within the, within the community is, is invaluable. It's only going to help us accelerate our success. Well, what's exciting about this uh, for us at Black Enterprise is um, how it will uh, change the dynamics of um, Black ownership, uh, Black wealth building, uh, you know, putting more African-Americans in positions to uh, be in the emerging industries and to, to grow wealth and influence so that they can impact other companies as well. Well, I mean, it's great content for you guys, honestly, right? You know, so every CEO that goes public and, you know, every founder that gets, uh, gets some financing, you know, just means better content, more engagement for the community, more investment dollars, you know, more advertising revenue for you, which can allows you to grow your circulation, right? So again, this, we all win here. We all win when, when just one Blackboard member gets appointed to a board and has influence and can make the changes that he, she, or they see fit. Well, let me touch on a couple of other areas. I know we, we you know, we have a, a tight period of time here and, and, and you've been great. Uh, one, I want to talk about the impacts of boards, especially with some issues that are coming up. You, mm -hmm. you talked about recently the, the whole thrust in terms of getting corporate America to respond to the, uh, the restrictive voting laws that are mm -hmm. being developed. You're starting with the Georgia law and then we're looking at some other um, you know, some other states. Uh, share with us how the board has an impact on decisions like that that are made by corporations, whether to be vocal about issues like that right. uh, from your vantage point. Uh, you know what, I, I'll, I'll convey two uh, anecdotal, uh, you know, kind of uh, stories that, that were told to me and, and I witnessed, right? So the first one was, um, I don't know if you, you guys remember this uh, Facebook ad boycott that happened, right? Yeah. And, and it was pretty remarkable to see the companies that participated in the ad boycott. And, and if you kind of look at the board members who are serving in those companies, it was very, very clear that those guys were well-respected and super influential, right? So you look at just two companies, VF and Verizon, right? And there was one board member that was shared between, right? So Shelly Archambault is kind of on a number of boards and, and you know, near and dear to my heart, right? One of the people who I aspire to be. Shelly. Um, and and Shelly, you could tell that inside of Verizon, she had in, in the CEO's ear and the board's ear because they participated in the ad, ad boycott. The other guy was Clarence Otis Jr., right? So Clarence and, and uh, you know, Shelly, I'm sure got together. And again, I, they haven't verified this, but you look at, you know, two companies, VF 
and, and Verizon, and they both participated. And you know that those well-respected board members who have the ear, ear of the CEO and the ear of the rest of the board and are well-respected can exert out, uh, you know, outsized influence. And so that's the first anecdote. The second one was uh, you know, one of my longtime mentors, right, for 30 plus years, Rodney Atkins, who's uh, chairman of Avnet and you know, on the board of UPS and Granger and, and several other companies. One of our and, Black Enterprise uh, top executives of the year when he was over at IBM. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and uh, we, we call him a uh, goldenrod, right? You know, because uh, he, he and I share <laughs> a, a fraternity lineage. And, and, and so Rodney's the founder of our chapter. And, and, you know, again, he has now hundreds of people looking up, you know, to him at, and, you know, from a different angle, not just the kind of fraternity at Georgia Tech, but actually the, uh, the, the impact that he is having as a board member. And so when, when all this was happening, you know, he and Peggy Alford, who's on the board of Facebook, again, you know, to kind of two, two people on the same, you know, kind of uh, the, the same wavelength at, uh, at, at PayPal and kind of looking at this and saying, how can we make a difference? And so when PayPal made their $560 million pledge to, you know, kind of invest in the black community and black business, you know, Peggy and, and, and Rod were at the, the epicenter of that conversation. And he picked up the phone and called me and said, hey, how, how was the message received? How did, how did this go over with the Valence community? And so again, I know that they're having tough conversations, but they're, they're made a lot easier when you have that relationship and when you've earned the respect. And you know, again, these are not insignificant changes and in putting your company on the line, uh, especially as it relates to the Georgia voter laws, right? You know, everyone's coming at those, those guys in Georgia right now. So, you know, Ed Bastian, I, I stand up and, and you know, kind of salute them. I, I, hopefully these decisions are easier as, as, uh, as it goes along because no one wants to be on the wrong side of history. And I think that's the way to look at it. But you need vocal advocates on those boards. So on Delta's board, there are vocal advocates, right? So he's going to check in. He's not going to do that without checking in with his board. I can guarantee you that. Uh, you know, so so making sure that every board has represented representation. And again, it's it's black for me, right? I, I was born black. I'm going to die black. But you know, it's it's about having you know a representative board and checking in with that board and making sure you have the the people that are really standing up and representing what's right and being on the right side of history, not only for the company but for culture and society. You, know, you, you talk about the right side of history, um, but I, I have two areas of concern. One mm -hmm. is uh, recently I saw the report about companies that were not in favor of having a racial equity audits, if you will. You know, they made pledges, but on the other side, they said, I don't see why we need to have racial equity audits. Wanted to get your impressions of that. And then also be on the right side of history. We're at a time when we have, we're at an all time low, Nadir, in terms of you know, African-American CEOs mm -hmm. of the largest publicly traded companies. Uh, Want to get your impressions on those two things. Why would we not have the audits if we have the pledges? And then two, how do we get the boards to step up and increase the leadership of, of companies uh, from the CEO's um, level. Right, so, so I'll, I'll take the first one um, because I have a slightly jaded perspective on that, which is um, America, corporations, boardrooms are all made up of individuals, right? Franchisees of restaurants, this happens all the time. It had, you know, the manager of a, of a Starbucks, I, I know Howard Schultz, and I know it's hard, right? And, and you can see Howard's executive staff and what it has looked like since I worked there, you know, kind of in the early 2000s, you know, um, you know, he, he has the best of intentions, right? At, but at, and, you know, at the management level, whether it's a store manager or the CEO, people think differently, right? You know, there, there's no question, and, and I'll, I'll say I observed it, right? From one of the biggest retailers in the history of the world, 
I observed what I believe to be racist behavior from the CEO. And so it's easy to kind of use that as an excuse. Yes, we're, you kind of, we signed this pledge and we wrote, you know, this small check and, you know, we opened a store in this area. But what, what, is, what, what does that individual believe? What's between their ears? What, what, how have they been raised? And, and there's no question because we, we see that they're, they're in society. They're in every, they're in every you know, police department and fire station and, and, and court, you know, C-suite in, in America, right? So you know, to, to believe that that's not the case um, is, is, I think, naive and understanding that those individuals are making some of the decisions, right? You know, so that, that's a slightly jaded perspective. Okay. As relates to getting executives into the C-suite, right? So at least there's some deflection. There, there's some shared, uh, you know, kind of goal and and difference of opinion. And you know, I, ideally, uh, you know, that that variety of, of experience and opinion helps lead to better outcomes. But it really starts with, um, you know, again, I I don't use the word pipeline, but this ecosystem of getting. Um, you know, solid education, and I won't take it back there, you know, filling the engineering and business pipelines and legal pipelines with great minds and not, you know, kind of distracting uh, them and going, you know, with, with other pursuits it, when, when they're kind of well suited to the boardroom and just making, you know, kind of investments at every phase along the way. Again, I'm focused on the board because I can have influence there, but we at Valence, you know, will also be announcing our executive leadership community in the next few weeks because, mm -hmm. Everyone takes care of the people at the top, right? It's, it's very easy. You know, people follow them and they're, they're charismatic. But what about the people that aren't exposed to the, the impact that they can have and don't know how to go about being on boards, right? Let's not wait till someone is 40 years old to have the conversation about being on a board. Let's start that conversation in third grade, right? Because, you know, that you do it with student council. Let, let's do it, you know, kind of along the way. It's not just about being the president of the United States. I want people to start thinking about, yes, I want to be Omar Johnson. I want to be the chief marketing officer at Beats by Dre. I see that guy. And I, I love the fact that he wears sneakers all the time, right? Or, you know what, Rodney Atkins, right? It's great that he has a, a, a statue you know, dedicated to him at, at, at Georgia Tech. Everyone before they step foot, foot on campus at Georgia Tech needs to know who Rodney Atkins is. His story of how he, you know, kind of came from Florida and, and you know, went to Georgia Tech and IBM and did all these great things and then went back to Florida, right? You know, so people need to know these stories. And so that's how we start. It's, it's not, you know, one, you know, kind of a, a silver bullet. You know, everyone needs to understand and take a survey of where they are and how they can influence this and actually do something, right? Do what Brad's son implored him to do. What are you going to do about it? What is it that you can do today? James Lowry, you know, one of our uh, board members at Valence, he, he asked me all the time, you know, this is great. You know, we're, we're talking about this and, you know, I've read his book and, and you know, the whole nine yards. And I, I, really try to, I really try to live by the words in his book. But he asked me all the time, what are you going to do on Monday morning? What are you going to do about it? And so that's what I think we need to take a step back and, and really you know, kind of appreciate as, as individuals, as leaders of organizations, as leaders of company and le leaders of men, uh, women and children. And again, that's why I appreciate being here because you guys are actually stepping up. Yes, it's your business, but you don't have to be talking to me about this. You, there, there are a thousand other people that are more interesting than me, but the fact that you're talking to me, you know, it shows me that there's hope. And as long as we all step up and recognize what we can do as individuals to make a change. But this, this has been a powerful conversation. Um, last question. You, you talked a lot about, um, you know, the whole process of, of course, the importance of being on boards, getting into leadership. It's about grooming, it's about mentorship, it's about sponsorship, relationships, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting onto that that first board, it may not be a, a corporate board, so to speak. Share with us 
before you have to leave. Your experiences of one, getting on a board, gaining the, the, the training that was necessary to be just an effective board member, you know, not even looking at the diversity element and, and mission orientation, but being an effective board member and how others can take from your experience how they can get on the screen to be on a board. And then once they get on a board, become effective so that they can go to the next board and then gain entree into uh, corporate and business leadership. Yeah, I think it all starts, you know, kind of I'm gonna take it uh, in, in reverse order. I think it really all starts with understanding what is important to each organization and understanding how you, again, as an individual can help move that, you know, kind of ball down the field, you know, kind of using the sports metaphor. So what, understanding that, you know, um, in, in a corporate environment, profitability is, is key, growth is key, you know, revenue and earnings, all, you know, all that stuff and understand how the game is played, right? So understanding the rules of engagement is critical. And so that's the kind of the end game and understanding how you as an individual fit into, you know, that puzzle and understanding where you would best fit, right? You know, which is, um, you know, kind of, it, it, it varies, right? Uh, someone, you know, my friend Ted Wood, uh, you know, as, as an IP attorney and I, um, you know, we have technology in common, but, you know, his, his training as a lawyer is not my training as an engineer. So we, we have different, uh, you know, kind of perspectives on, on what we would bring to a board. So understanding that is critical. And then preparation obviously is key, right? So pouring over, spending hours and hours reading annual reports, reading industry and, uh, you know, anal uh, analysis and, and, you know, analyst reports, um, looking at the financial statements, all of that, you, you need to understand what you're saying when you kind of go into the boardroom. So I think that's, you know, kind of the end game and understanding preparation is key, whether it's career preparation and understanding, you know, again, approaching this as a business problem and how would you solve this problem and what do you bring to the table and are you the best person even, right? You know, so if you're not, you know, recognize that and, and you know, maybe look for a different board opportunity. But, but if I rewind to my path uh, to board service, I can trace it back to very uh, distinct points. You know, so there was me coming out of uh, graduate school and Don Ratliff being willing to kind of sponsor me uh, to the, the College of Engineering, you know, the IE, IE Magister's program, which he did. And John Manrod at AT Kearney saying, hey, you're a big fish in a small pond. Let me sponsor you to come on board. Uh, to A.T. Kearney and let us send you back to Harvard Business School. I can point to those. I can point to pre uh, presenting to the NPR board and Del Lewis, uh, you know, kind of sitting on that board and being so proud that, you know, there's a black CEO uh, of NPR. And I can point to going into Starbucks boardroom and seeing Olden Lee from Pepsi and Melody Hobson, who is, you know, kind of the, the, the queen, you know, like honestly is, uh, if you think of all that she's done for for black corporate America and the influence that she's exhibited, uh, you know, is, is really incredible. And so kind of, I can point to those moments, but more importantly, personally, um, Gary May, who is the chancellor of, of UC Davis, um, you know, is a friend, right? You know, so he's just a bit older than me, but I think we share a Midwest, uh, you know, sensibility. We share love for engineering and analysis and Gary and I were friends. And, and one day he said, Hey, I think you'd be a really great candidate for the, uh, the board of uh, the School of Industrial Engineering at Georgia Tech. Relationships, yeah. Yeah, and so I said, hey, put me in, coach. Uh, you know, the, tell, tell me where to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm there, right? So, um, you know, the, the head of the school called me, and I said yes, and that led to me, um, you know, kind of working through the School of Industrial Engineering Advisory Board, actually becoming chairman of that advisory board a, a few years later, and because of that, I was put on Gary's advisory board when he was a dean of College of Engineering at Georgia Tech, which then led to me being on the president's advisory board at Georgia Tech. 
which then led to me being on the kind of the board of Southern California Public Radio and me chairing the strategic planning committee, me founding companies, me advising companies and me being invited to boards. Some of them I accept, some of them I turn down, but it really is a, 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 an evolution to use the word that you used before. Understanding how you fit in, what your contributions are and putting in the work to build the relationships and the understanding of what is uh, the, uh, the objective of each individual organization and then working like hell to make sure that you can help achieve that objective, right? So knowing what the CEO pays attention to, knowing what the board dynamics are and then really working to ensure that you contribute uniquely and at a, the highest level possible. Uh, when you're there without saying too much right you don't want to get on the board and just start blabbing and proving how much you know but actually really providing tangible results and, and benefits to the board is, is the way to go uh this is this is great guy uh are there any last uh comments that you'd like to make in terms of um the you know the uh, the the importance of uh, either board diversity or getting on a board or uh, or, or comments that you like to share with our audience that uh, you haven't gotten a chance to share it up to yeah. You know what? I, I'll say this. I'm, I'm generally, believe it or not, a man of few words. And so I, I think it really is important, um, again, to the, the viewers of this video and your other videos, to the readers of the magazine, the attendees at your conference, I, I would say start young, right? Start not only young in your career, but start with your kids and, and helping them understand you know, kind of how to read uh, you know, kind of stock charts and, and you know, understand how to read annual reports, right? I, I, um, one of my friends, um, you know, is a CEO of a, of a company, a startup, not, not, not a startup, but a, a kind of growth stage uh, bakery in New York called BKNY. And, um, I, you know, she, she sent this really incredible gift for Black History Month, and it was these cake jars, and then, you know, it was wrapped in this incredible packaging. And at the top of it was a, a, a brochure that kind of uh, was a Black History, you know, kind of moments, uh, kind of moment by moment, uh, look at some of the careers of some of the most influential uh, people in Black history, you know, Reginald Lewis uh, to Max Roach, right? You know, so um, before I let my kids eat the cake, I made them read one of the passages just mm. to, to make sure that they understood who Reginald Lewis was. That's the one I picked. But, you know, understanding what he meant to me when I read, you know, why should white guys have all the fun and, and how I channeled him when I did my interview at Harvard Business School, because I was one of these, these guys that I didn't have the, the best, you know, I didn't have the 4.0 uh, you know, undergraduate at Georgia Tech. They used to tell you, look to your right, look to your left. One of you won't be here uh, by the time you, you know, it, it's time to graduate, right? So that was the, that was the mindset at Georgia Tech at, at the time that I was there. But, but you know, I, I did some things that I read about in, in, in Reginald Lewis's book and, and, you know, kind of knowing that I could share that and have that bond with my son and that we could have that common frame of reference and this textually mediated discourse. He's not going to read uh, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun probably for another you know, maybe two years, hopefully he reads it by then. But at least we have a frame of reference of this guy who worked his ass off and, you know, kind of started off in Baltimore and got admitted to Harvard Law School without interviewing, uh, you know, just a, a force of nature and understanding what he meant and, you know, kind of the, the road that he showed. We need to start young and, and training people for leadership. Well, it, it starts with planting the seed. And uh, Guy, thank you for uh, not only uh, planting the seed, but, um, bringing um you know uh corporate board diversity into uh full bloom uh this has been a great conversation really enjoyed spending this time with you well derek it's good to see you and i'm, I'm looking forward to getting together in person uh we will we will make that happen <laughs> as, as as soon as possible but right. once again thank you for uh, being a part of uh, boardroom chats and uh, i look forward to talking to you um a few months from now to see uh 
if you've um, made that 100 goal and, or, or even surpassed that goal. Yeah, let's hope, fingers crossed, and, and you know, kind of nose to the grindstone. Thank you. Take care.